suppose I could say it's good to see you again. Um, but what really I need to say is what my heart feels, and that's the, the heaviness of life as a family right now, a church family. Um, as Neil and I talked on the phone Wednesday after he got the call, as we cried together, the, the sense that, oh, Lord Jesus, this is too much. You've heard what our pastor has just sketched out for you. Think he's been serving us. Two funerals in any week is almost too much sometimes for any pastor. While he grieves at a distance, the homegoing of his own mother. And so, um, to his credit, we, we as we pray for him, and I exhort you how we must hold him up, as well as the rest of our staff and elders, during these days now that are to come, heavy days that will continue. I, I commend him for even as we talked, and the understanding that for all of us, the, the shepherd's heart sometimes causes us to not remember our own hearts. And to his credit to understand that even on this day of worship, he just needs to sit with his own wife and receive and be ministered to. And so we're glad to be back. We're members here at Hope Chapel. You might say, really? We can't even remember the last time we've seen you here at church. Well, it's not because we've been delinquent, actually. Uh, if you remember, perhaps four years ago, right here at the end of a... forgot I can't walk by and talk on that mic with this one going. I did that in the first service, too. The, the, the wonder of, of the essence of what it means to know Jesus and to follow Him, to, to live a gospel kind of life, a, a good news, evidencing life. And at the heart of that is, is the come and go essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not to use the generic term Christian, but to be what the New Testament calls those who are called to come and follow Him, and who do, and what it means. And for us, four years ago, as we were active members then, we're still members, but the, the call from Grace Baptist over in Hudson, in the, in the midst of a time when their senior pastor had left, and they were facing many heavy, not simple challenges. And in seeking the great shepherd, him leading to, to call me and say, would you come? and to even talk with our own pastor. And then that day when you as our church family commended us the come that then is evidenced by a going, and you said you have to go. And so we were gone for two years with them, walking with them, crying with them sometimes, and seeing now where the Lord Jesus has them. We got to come back for just a little bit, but then when we got back here, what was Jesus doing in our midst as a church family? But laying on our heart, 
uh, pockets of lostness, darkness in the city of Worcester down 190, and already hope at the Lord's call was preparing to plant a new church, Seven Hills down there. And so a year ago, there we were with a few others from our family going to help provide a foundation for the beginning of that wonderful new church, which I can testify to you, celebrates Jesus gloriously there in that new place with new believers. And so for the privilege of coming in this moment for us to open the word together as we ourselves know, know some of what it's like to live in this darkening world and to serve the one who is light and life. So I invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew. That's that first book in the New Testament. If you forgot your Bible this morning, there's a few Bible just near you there somewhere. If you would get that, I want us to look into the Word even as we listen to the Word. I'm going to focus primarily right near the end of chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. But we will sketch out the whole context of this chapter because it's so important for us in this very moment. It, see, it doesn't really seem so, but you know, it's not too many weeks ago that we were celebrating Christmas. And thinking about all the wonderful, the advent, the call, the angels declaring, Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy which shall be to all the peoples, all the nations. For today is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the long expected one, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the glorious good news that God so loved us that he did what only he could do and gave what he had to give his own Son, that we might believe and know everlasting life. Here we find in this chapter of Matthew, Jesus has already been announced. He's begun to move about the country. People have begun to see Him, hear Him, follow Him, talk about Him. And He says here near the end of chapter 11, first with a an exclamation in prayer, thanking God that all things have been given to him. And the beauty is that, it, that God in his wisdom decided not to make known this wonderful life-giving truth to the, those who were wise and full of knowledge, the so-called know-it-alls. But instead, in the wisdom and the great heart of God, he determined to make it known to the everyday people of life. Jesus then, with that exclaiming in prayer and then the declaring of this that now the Father has given all things to me, he comes then to a simple but powerful invitation there in verse 28. And you look with me there as I read these words. Jesus saying now, in light of these realities that God has given and I now in obedience invite you saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened 
down and I will give you rest. Middle of the chapter leading right to this, Jesus has been grieving. He goes from lamenting and brokenhearted grieving over the magnitude of the people in the various cities that he names who are resisting and rejecting and refusing to hear this good news, the glorious gospel. But then he comes right from that to invite, to call again. The chapter, the chapter begins in a, in a low spot. If you want to turn back a page, it begins with a prophet, John, called John the Baptizer, or sometimes we say John the Baptist, but, but that's not meant in the denominational sense, but one who came by the very call of God, this come to me and then go as I direct, the come and go that's always at the essence of this good news, what life is really like for those who know him and follow him. This is John who on that day in the fullness of time... Because see, John's message was unique to John's call. God had prepared him, birthed him, and then chosen him to be the one who would announce. But before the announcing went on, there was preparation to be made. And the way the scripture says, and the way John proclaimed this was, make straight the way of the Lord. Now, you know why you need to make something straight? because its current state is crooked. And he was speaking to the people saying, make straight in your own hearts. You need to repent, prepare the way of the Lord. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right now whether it seems like it or not. And remember, it wasn't to the elite, but to the you and me's of life that this good news came. And it came in a time of desperate need. And so John was called the baptizer because he was calling people to repent, to turn away from the way the crooked lives they'd been living and to prepare their own hearts to receive the Savior who was coming. And then that day comes along the Jordan River where John is faithfully doing this and people are repenting and preparing and readying themselves for the Savior. It comes the day when John looks and there is Jesus and he says to those around him, look right there. There he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This John is the very John that we find at the beginning of this chapter 11. And look at his circumstance. Look there with me, verse 2. Now when John in prison the faithfulness of the prophet resulted in his being imprisoned in a filthy, vermin-ridden, torturous kind of first century prison. And while he's in prison, he's allowed to have visitors and he's hearing stories and testimonies that continue to be brought to him by those who were his followers and who were serving him. But John is in the midst of something very different from what they're experiencing out there in the sunlight. And so we come to this moment, verse 2. Now John, in prison, when he heard of the works of Christ, sent word by his disciples to Jesus saying, one thing, one question, are you the expected one 
or shall we look for someone else? Think of what John was going through. We know for a fact that he was questioning, that he was wondering, perhaps, although we can't say definitively, he was doubting. Because he was burdened, he was heavy laden, he was suffering, he was wondering, where is Jesus now when I need him? Desperately need him. You can see the agony of a heart. And of all hearts, think of his, the one chosen of God and miraculously revealed that was the Savior. And yet there comes the time when he questions, maybe entertains, if fleetingly, doubt even that this really is the long-promised, long-expected one. And so those go who he sends. They go and they find Jesus and they ask this question of him, And notice how Jesus, in his love, answers John. He says, verse 4, You go back to John, and here's what you say to him. The blind see. The crippled walk. The lepers are, are cleansed. The deaf hear. Even the dead are now alive again. And supremely, the poor, those who have nothing, now have everything. And what is that everything? The poor have the gospel, the good news of salvation in the Savior, spoken, proclaimed to them. You go and you tell him, That's the answer to his question. Are you the one? What Jesus is saying is, I am the long-expected one. I am the one who can say, in in the midst of the worst scenario you could imagine, come to me. Come, weary, burdened down, broken down, even this morning in reconnecting with old friends, heart-rending kinds of word to me already, saying, pray for us. I don't know if we're... Before they knew what the message was, by the way, that was before the first service. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we're going to come through this. Not this. Personal things. All of us struggling with things. And Jesus says, tell him what you see and what you've witnessed, the Old Testament way of that was said was, go rehearse the righteous acts of God before Him. The power of truth to maybe or maybe not change circumstance, but to change the reality of our lives in the circumstance. And what we know is that as they went back and they told, they bore testimony of this. John knew Now, interestingly, Jesus is not the only one who makes this offer to us. In fact, I'll give you an example as recently as Friday evening right down at the DCU Center in Worcester. My wife and I went down and we walked around for an hour or two in the outdoor show that was going on in the exhibition there hall of the the DCU Center. And believe it or not, now it's all outdoor stuff. I don't know why this one uh, particular booth. It had three or four men. I don't know if they were nurses or not or they were just trying to pretend to look like nurses but they were all dressed in hospital scrubs 
didn't fit in an outdoor show, and every time we would walk by them, they would paraphrase Jesus' words. Can you believe that? And here's what they'd say. They'd say, come, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden with neck pain and back pain and shoulder pain, and I and my little miracle machine, which they were all holding, will give you rest. That's what they were saying to me. Now, after I passed them a couple times, they were in a prominent place where if you were going anywhere, you'd go past them. They probably picked that place. I wanted to walk around the other end of the arena so I didn't have to go by and hear this. Say, I, have, I doubt they had any idea who they were paraphrasing when they were saying this. It so happened that I was having a lot of neck pain while I was walking around on that concrete floor down there. But you know, I, I did, I'm not doubting their little machine or whatever or their medical credentials, if they had any. But you know why I didn't stop? Because I, I know about those things, and I know about pills we can take. I'm recovering from surgery. I've been taking some. They give me rest or relief for a little while, but it doesn't change anything. The difference, while they were basically saying exactly what Jesus was saying, the difference is, what Jesus says is, and I will give you rest. And notice the kind of rest he gives, verse 29. Rest for your souls. John experienced that in the, the midst of that moment that was too heavy for him to bear, when even he could question the very Messiah. And what did he need? He just needed a word from Jesus. And that was enough. He didn't know at that point that a quick and a sudden violent death was just right ahead, just three chapters ahead. But from that moment on, the reality of this was his. John, the apostle, I mean the prophet, the baptizer, had rest for his soul. We can too. For those of us who have believed, you remember that when the disciples brought word of John's beheading to Jesus, that Jesus was overcome. He was, he was crushed by the news of this faithful servant's death. And do you remember what Jesus did? Mark records it in detail. It says that he said to his followers at that time, just the close cadre around him, those, those that Jesus puts around to hold us up, he said to them, we've got to pull back, step aside, disconnect from ministry, and just sit down and get still and let God. Now for us, we have a Savior who says, Come, come to me. So I, I, I even thank God for our pastor in the midst of overwhelming days and overwhelming grief, who as our shepherd would know to model the good shepherd and receive and let us minister as his church family to him 
ministry isn't just during a worship service. It continues. And as he flies away, you think of these 60-some Rwandan pastors and their wives and all those churches out in the villages and towns who have been looking forward since last year this time to good rain again. Sometimes Jesus just does the, the miraculous and it sort of just drops out of the sky. But most all the time, you know how he does it? He does it through us. When we come to him, then he says to us, now go and be my hands, my feet, my heart. We have to come, we have to go. And when we do, then Jesus is present. And those who have no hope, who think that there's not a chance, who are struggling to believe or continue to believe, suddenly have rest, have peace that floods their souls. So for those of us who have believed and trusted Him and are followers of Jesus, He calls us in, in this moment. While we grieve, you may not have known some of the people who, who have suffered this week. But we're a family. And when it's heavy for some, it's heavy for all of us. And Jesus says to us who know him, he says, come, I'll give you rest. I'll give you what you need. But for some of us in our church family, you may not have yet come to that point of belief. It's a point of interest or uh, exploration or curiosity or fellowship or whatever it might be. But in terms of coming to that point when we believe and commit, because that word, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, that word doesn't just mean intellectually. That word means to make a complete commitment in obedient kind of trust. When he calls come, we turn and begin to go with him. That's why they weren't first called Christians. They were called followers. That's what a true Christian is, a follower of Jesus. Now, if we're a follower of someone, what does that then by definition mean the one we follow is? He would be the leader, right? So when we follow him, he then has his way wherever and however. And so he says, maybe you're doubting, maybe you're questioning, come. And I will give you what you need. Today it was already planned, this time when we come to the table. You know, one of the dangers for us, we regularly observe what we call the Lord's Supper. And the danger for that is something that's regular, if we're not careful, can become routine. And this is not that. It is a sacred moment when we as a church family humble ourselves before Christ and remember and receive. And so as we Prepare in a moment to do that, and I invite the servers to take their positions and get ready to serve us as a congregation. I want to pray 
I want to pray for us, and I want to pray for you. And if you've not yet come to the point of heeding the Savior's call to come to Him in faith, while I pray, I, I exhort you to do that as we prepare to receive these. So let's, let's bow together now. Father, we know it's in the name of Jesus only that we have an open door of invitation right into your very throne room and heart. And so humbly we thank you that you loved us so much. You gave what we could never acquire on our own that we might receive freely. And so in these moments, Moments with each of us individually, different challenges and burdens, but collectively as a church family, a heavy time. We thank you that you never leave us, never forsake us, but instead your strong arms are always open to come round about and not just hold, but carry us around. So I pray for these of our family who need to say yes to you today. Help them that this may be a day of salvation for all. We pray now in your holy name. Amen.